You're listening to the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast, brought to you from St. Bart in the French West Indies. We talk jiu-jitsu, traveling, and people who do things a bit different in life. I am your host, Christian Graugard. Hello, everyone. I am back. Um, this podcast has taken uh, a little kind of summer holiday, you can say. Uh, it hasn't really been on purpose, but I think it's been almost, it's been more than four months, almost five months since I posted the last uh, episode. Um, I had plenty of ideas and uh, of things I wanted to, to record and post. Uh, plenty of things on my on my to-do list and pretty much every day um when i've been at my computer i've been um i put on my list today you need to work on the podcast but uh this summer has just been absolutely insane um i've traveled a lot i've been i, I did uh five or six camps since the last podcast episode um and i've just been so busy it's kind of been down the down the list a little bit but that's fine i kind of like that uh that the podcast project is is kind of is some somewhat of a of a slow project that I'm not really in a rush making, um, but anyway, the summer is over. I did five camps. Uh, I think at some point I did like four camps in two months, uh, or something like that. It was it was absolutely wild. Um, maybe a little bit more intense of a summer than I wanted it to be, but um, hey, we had a great time. So we did the big big summer camp in Belgium, uh, almost immediately followed by Greenland, where we flew directly onto Iceland. Um, and this was all within like two and a half weeks or something, three weeks. Uh, then came back to, uh, I flew back to Denmark, went on a little holiday uh, with the family, and um, then we did the, the big one in Germany, which was amazing. Um, we had a, a, an actual wedding at the camp, I think that was the first um, and then, uh, like a month ago or something, I came back from from Poland, from the camp in Poland, um, which is always uh, a very unique experience. Um, anyway, so I'm back in the basement, and um, things are starting to go a little bit fast again because uh, on Monday we have the we're hosting the Caribbean Island Camp here in Saint Bart, and uh, a lot of people arrive early. There's going to be um, 50 people at the camp, but uh, I think at least. 30 or 40 arrive this week uh, with the first one coming in tomorrow. So starting tomorrow, I am going to be busy uh, picking up people uh, all the time at the, the airport and the, and the ferry. But it's going to be exciting to have a camp here. It's been, uh, it's been a while. The last one was in February, I think, or something. So let's get on with this episode. Um, this is a very interesting interview because uh, it's actually been kind of almost four years in the making. Um, and um, it's a long story, um, but it's also a very interesting story. It's a story about about following your dream and uh, failing at it, and then then trying again and eventually succeeding. Um, it's a pretty crazy project these two Swedish guys did, and uh, I was very happy to finally catch Victor um, on Skype the other day. Um, we've been trying to set up an appointment for this interview forever, like literally for months. Um, but our, our schedules kind of didn't match. and um, But now we're back and uh, the podcast is back on and I'm very excited to, uh, to play this interview for you. Um, I hope you'll enjoy it and I'll be back once it's over. 
Hey, Victor. Hey, Christian. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, and you? Um, perfect. Where about so, so, um, so we're doing this interview today, and it's actually been it's actually been underway for a while. I yeah, say. I think we started talking about it for two, three months ago, maybe. Yeah, even more. Uh, I think it was. Ah, maybe. And uh, and and I I would say the, this 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 talk is going back all the way to when you. Uh, you contacted me, which I just looked through my, my old emails and uh, you wrote me the, uh, the first time, very first time, February 2015. So it's like almost four years ago. <laughs> um, so we've been kind of keeping in touch a little bit like here and there on and off uh, for almost four years. And um, and uh, I never really had the chance to kind of uh, ask all the questions I wanted to ask. I have a lot of questions because I was looking through all the all the old emails and all the stuff we tried to do and, and what you ended up doing. And, uh, and, uh, I was just writing down a few, a few questions I wanted to ask here. And, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot, we, we have a lot to talk about you and me. So, um, I, I hope you're, I hope you're comfortably seated in Stockholm, right? Are you still, are you in Stockholm now? Yeah. Yeah. I just got back, um, approximately three weeks ago. Okay. So we'll start work again in Less than a month now, so exciting. Let's uh, let's get back to that. <laughs> okay, uh, so let's start from the beginning. Um, February 2015, you send me an email. I actually have it right here. Me and a friend will try to sail around the world with a sailboat, a tiny one. Everyone should know this boat is like <laughs> fucking ridiculously tiny. Uh, starting in August 2015. <sighs> Try to train as much as possible. Do you have any interest in doing like a globetrotter sailboat or something? We have room for four people. Um, blah blah blah. I think that was a very interesting email to get. Um, I would say this was this was really in the early days of globetrotters, and uh, and I hadn't really kind of done any like sponsorships or any kind of partnerships with anyone. But this was like right right up my alley. It, was, it sounded perfect. Um, so I think it, it's interesting to look back at it because it's kind of like an early attempt at, at what can Globetrotters become? Like what, what kind of projects can we, can we help? And, uh, and I think it turned out, I, I think it turned out to a very interesting story. So, uh, so let's, let's go through it. Why, why, why didn't you tell us, um, really quick about how, how this project, uh, came about, like how it all started, how you got the idea and all that. And what, what, what was your plan? <laughs> uh, this started like really early around maybe when I was like 10, 11, me and a friend that I ended up sailing with, Dan, we were riding our bicycles to ice hockey training each day, and we used to stop at this lake and just talk about how nice it would be to, to sail around the world. So it kind of started to grow really early on us, and we kept talking about it. And then uh, 2014, I was in uh, Brazil uh, doing my bachelor thesis there. And uh, then I had been training some jiu-jitsu before that, and then I started training a bit more there. And then I just trained there for like six months, and I started talking more to Dan about like, should we actually do this? Or so then we really need to make this happen. And then when I got back to to Sweden, this was in uh, like right before I contacted you, I would say there early 2015. And he had this old boat from 1969 and we just said like, okay, should we 
do with that boat? And he said, like, oh, it's a bit too worn out and maybe we should try to buy a bigger one and a more better that's more prepared for heavy sailing. But we went and watched, uh, had a look at a few boats. But after some time, we just said, like, oh, we're going to start with this boat. But so I think we bought it for, or Dan bought it for 2000 $3,000 in my, in my notes. Yeah, something roughly around that. Uh, a few years back then, and then I yeah, just paid half, and then we owned a boat, and I rented out my apartment, and uh, I had a, a job then, so I just uh, said that I could only work for like another four months or something, and then I moved into... What was your job? Uh, so we were... I was in a group that was testing uh, for like different parameters to get the the screens and everything for uh, cellular phones and um, computers, etc. You have this uh, LED that connects the dots or connects the electricity within the devices. So within this group, we tried to get the dots as small as possible, the LED dots. So we were doing testing. Did you, yeah, did, you did you know <laughs> did you know anything about sailing at all before you 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 kind of bought purchased the boat? Uh, not really. Uh, I've done maybe like one or two weeks of sailing before this, uh, where I actually didn't sail that much myself. So. And no. then and then you bought a tiny boat from the sixties to sail around the world in. Sailboat. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Just to get so, it straight. Just to get it straight. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. We've just been reading on it online and a few books about sailing. So uh, yeah, we pretty much just jumped right in. Uh, Dan had been doing some sailing, so um, not a lot, but a lot more than me, at least. So. He knew how to set sail and <laughs> navigate the boat. And... The very big <laughs> Exactly. Turn left and right. Yeah, we, I mean, we were starting to get advice from people and uh, checking out uh, forums on the internet, like what do you need to know to sail around the world, etc. But if you're going to follow all of that advice, you will be practicing sailing for roughly like 20 years full time. So, and I think there's a bit of a misconception there. Like when we started in Stockholm... Uh, we're not starting and just going around the world or that wasn't the aim. Like you start and then maybe you do one day of sailing and then another day and then another day. So, I mean, it's possible to take the problems as they come and solve them on the way. Well, um, and I think in this, this early process, I think we actually kind of brainstormed quite a bit together. You were, you were so early in the project that I, I, I just jumped right into it and, and, uh, had some ideas for it. I thought like you got we got to put you on the website and make like a map so we can follow your route and yeah, your yeah. Instagram and uh, we can yeah. use, we can use the Globetrotters uh, community to get some some guests on the boat and like yes. uh, I had all these good ideas. I and um, we even got a sticker on the boat. Right? I'm going to put some pictures on the podcast uh, page for this, but there are stickers on the boat. It looked very official. Uh, yeah, looked pretty good. Yeah, it was super cool. I was happy about the stickers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that actually worked well. Yeah, I was afraid that you were gonna send them, and then I was just gonna 
mess up the attachment on it. So it's no, we, we, we nailed it first try. Yeah, and, yeah uh, absolutely. And, and your root, uh, your plant root was very ambitious. I was, and now knowing that you, you just kind of Googled how to sail around the world, the, the root looks even crazier. I'll, I'll just briefly go through it here. Stockholm, Copenhagen, Scotland, Wales, Portugal, Canary Islands, across the Atlantic, Venezuela, Colombia, Panama, French Polynesia, Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, Thailand, Maldives, Seychelles, Mauritius, Madagascar, South Africa, across the Atlantic again, Brazil, Caribbean, across the Atlantic, Azores, back to Sweden. <laughs> and and this, you, you came up with this after just Googling how to sail around the world. Yeah, exactly. There's uh, like you, you can check out the weather maps and then mm-hmm. you will find how, how you should sail. So there's mm-hmm. plenty of advice online and uh, many people go these routes and mm-hmm. you have to be in certain seasons or you don't have to be like now when we actually left, uh, we went in the wrong season, but mm-hmm. yeah, we knew about it. at least. <laughs> so uh, it's hard to say, but I mean, you will get a much more pleasant sailing if you follow the season and you will have winds and currents in, in the correct direction without risking your life too much. Right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, after uh, a while, uh, I don't know how long you prepared this, but it, it was like at least six months or something, right? You, you finally kind of actually started sailing. Um, so what was your initial, uh, I mean, you, I, I even talked about jumping on the boat from Copenhagen to Scotland. Um, yeah. but, uh, what, what did you go initially? I don't remember exactly. You plan to go down through Europe, right? On like rivers or something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it changed all the time because first we were planning on leaving, uh, like we started with a project, say, February, and we planned on leaving in June, July when it's nice and hot in mm-hmm. Stockholm, Sweden. So, but that didn't happen. Like everything took longer than we had expected, which maybe we should have expected because there was a lot of work to do and we have never, never done it before. Mm-hmm. Like we tore out everything in the boat and we pretty much redone the whole boat. Yeah. We laminated the, the original rudder and we built new ones and it, it just took so much time and it was kind of depressing because where we worked, we, Dan sold his house and the new owners moved in and we hadn't moved the boat from the lawn yet so but they were kind of nice they were like oh yeah i can stay here for a while if you if you like to so and then <laughs> it just like the original sailing plan was that we could leave in say at least august like late august then we could go there mm-hmm. but we started in november so it was everyone was taking the boats out of the water and we were sort of like, it's going to start snowing soon and it's going to be winter. <laughs> and we didn't, re- we, we didn't want to give up. So we were like working a lot to just get it ready. And I think this is a project that it never gets ready. Mm. Like you can work on, on a boat like this for five, six years and you will still have things to do. So like when it started to get colder and colder and <laughs> kind of like we have to leave really soon to escape the ice then we just decided to we're just leaving and we fix everything on the way so it's so like the first night we could actually see the uh, what's the word for it in english Brygge, the the place where we had the boat mm-hmm. like 
we just sailed maybe two hours out <laughs> and dropped the anchor there and slept there just just so we would leave. <laughs> and after we like no electricity were working on the boat, so we were trying to fix that as we were sailing. Mm-hmm. So and we were on a quite tight budget as well, so. We didn't want to get fined from the coastal guard for sailing without lights on the night. Uh, so slowly we were uh, moving south in Sweden, but it went really slow. And when we get got maybe, uh, what could it be, like 60 kilometers from Stockholm, Carway down south, Dan got an uh, infection in his knee. Mm-hmm. So... We've been kind of working really hard to get there for a week. And when we got there to this small emergency hospital, they just said like, oh, you need to go go to Stockholm and <laughs> get that checked out. And we're like, do you know how much work we've done to, <laughs> to leave Stockholm? It took us eight yeah. months to get here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, he needed to go back to Stockholm and see that uh, he didn't have uh, blood poisoning. Mm-hmm. So after a few days there, he got back and we could start sailing again. But uh, due to social conflicts, we after maybe we've been out for a month, mm. we just couldn't see a way that we could continue without, I don't know, getting really mean to, towards mm. each other. Mm. Was it like, I mean, you're, you're kind of friends for 20 years before this right yeah yeah yeah. we grew up together and then like being confined on a tiny tiny boat in the winter with a with a knee, yeah. knee infection and not getting anywhere it, it, it what what do you think was what do you think went wrong i, I think that uh, we should have had more time with with the boat from the start like uh, we should have uh, pushed the the whole trip one year forward mm. so we could actually get some recovery after living together and we have to solve all the problems with working on the boat. So, I mean, I like it this way. I like it this way. Why should we have it this way? But we didn't really have time for those sort of conflicts. So I think that each person needed to give up his own thoughts so many times to Mm -hmm. say like, okay, let's do it this way. So, and since we were working maybe from like morning to night every day, uh, it's just what's the, like what you say, the ketchup effect. Mm. Like we, we both thought that, okay, yes, we, once we get going, this will go, uh, get, get through this. But <laughs> it was kind of depressing. There's, uh, a few other like YouTube sailors that, uh, puts videos on their website. And I was laying in, uh, in the harbor in Ninasam when Dan was going to the, was at the hospital there for a few days mm. and it was so cold and the, it was just in the boats. So you live laying there with, with like hat on, like full clothes and everything. And then you just watch this videos of people like swimming in the Caribbean and like sailing around the world. And so like, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> it's just fantastic. <laughs> and not, not, not to, uh, not to forget to mention this is, this was for you at least actually kind of planned to be a jujitsu boat trip, right? I mean, and you didn't at this point probably do any training, I assume. Uh, I, I did actually, like a few trained at a few clubs mm-hmm. uh, on the coast of Sweden. Just uh, 
just took my just googled like jiu-jitsu mma thai boxing whatever and then just put like boxing gloves gi no gi like the whole <laughs> kit and just walk there and see what i could find at earth so so that was good but still it went like a stress factor i think dan was a bit annoyed that i went training on the mm. evenings when we got there like we had so many things to do on the boat and for me uh and i guess a lot of people can recognize this like i was like if i don't get this i, I will not be a happy person mm. to be with I, i need some right release and it was also um i don't know like we we sort of realized that it would be a lot of months that's going to be like this before we could catch up with like the good weathers and we we would all, always chase the seasons yeah because first we were go like plan to go like to Copenhagen and then sail up the coast there and then cross to Scotland but to do that in December January that's kind of like the one of the world's hardest types of sails uh with the winter storms there yeah. and it's cold uh so it's not like beginner sailing <laughs> <laughs> like even the coast of Sweden during this time it's not beginner sailing but at least you're close to shore and <laughs> i yeah. don't know you can get some sort of help in your own language but yeah. uh so we just felt like and not only us like a lot of people were saying like it's suicide to go go mm. that way like go through europe uh by the canals um so that was what uh, originally happened so dan sailed the boat down there later so after i don't know a month or something like that we talked and we decided to split up mm-hmm. and i pretty much just took a plane ride back to stockholm and shaved and had a work interview how was that shower today. how was that shower how did the shower feel <laughs> the shower and the shave was super nice but <laughs> kind of like i don't know it just went in a flash to from sitting on a boat just planning to be three years from sweden and then just in an instant you're back in like shirt and trying to look super serious to to get a job uh, so it's kind of kind of weird weird feeling and i mean in a like i, I sort of like shut down mentally mm. <laughs> just to be able to cope with it so i think yeah, I, i can imagine weird. um i mean obviously a lot of people have kind of dreams oh i should save the world or i should I don't know, quit my job or uh, one of dreams of doing big things. And, but obviously the, the uh, like what always holds you back is the, the nightmare that it just doesn't work out, you know, that it is not what you ex- expected or it just did not work uh, like yours. And, um, and maybe also the, the kind of the embarrassment of it. Like mm-hmm. there's, I, I assume there's kind of a, I, I felt it sometimes when I've, when I've kind of, said, okay, I'm going to do this and it's going to be a little bit wild, you know, like it's not normal to do this. And, and I guess it's something that that's kind of a dream and probably also for others. And mm. at some little, maybe, I don't know if it's the right thing to say, but, but you can kind of feel that some people a little bit hope, uh, like inside of them, they hope it's not going to work for you. 
Like, <laughs> they, they kind of hope, oh, fuck, I wish that was me because I'm stuck here and I, I also want to sail the world, but I really hope it's going to fail and he's going to come back on a plane in one month and, and have to shave and get a job interview so, <laughs> I, so I can say like, oh, okay, okay, good. I don't have to try either because it's definitely not working. Did, did you, how, how did that feel? I mean, to, to kind of, you actually failed at it, like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, it felt like this, both uh, for myself. It felt like uh, a huge disappointment, like, uh, and uh, especially towards others as well. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's it's hard to to go in with like a half of a mindset to do it. Like, you have to say to everyone, like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna do this," and like try to convince yourself to get over all the obstacles mm-hmm. uh, because there are plenty of obstacles to to do it and. Like you say, a lot of people are gonna say like, "Oh, you can't do that. Like, you need more experience for that. What you gonna do if this happens? What you gonna do if this happens?" And just try to put on more obstacles on the way to towards uh, our goal. And so, uh, yeah, it felt hard that they were correct mm-hmm. in their uh, analysis of mm-hmm. it. So, uh, absolutely, like it was a, a tough period to 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 cope with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think one thing that kind of helps to actually try and, as you said, push through. You, you guys push through. First of all, probably the 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 most uh, horrible relationship IKEA project ever in history of building <laughs> of, of, of uh, fixing up that boat, um, and then the the misery of sailing in Scandinavian winter and like everything failing and and hating each other. But I mean. Do you feel like there is a, a part of it uh, of you pushing through? Is like we're not going to give up because people hope we're going to give up? Uh, I, I mean, we talked about that as well, and like, but in a way, I felt like, uh, at least for me, I can't speak for him, but that I would give up so much, or I do give up so much for this, uh, yeah. for this trip, both financially and. Uh, I'm turning 30 and I just uh, felt like maybe I should get a job after my degree and might get too like a lot harder to, to get a job. If I just right after I finish my degree, I, I, I go sailing. So uh, for me, at least uh, uh, now I don't think like this, but I did then like uh, when I, when I look back at it, I, I had a bit of a panic of leaving that uh, like career path. Mm. So, I felt just like the, the the price would be too high to push to do it for other people's sake, just to prove like like the whole project. Like I just want to travel around, rolling, meeting people, partying, and just having fun, um, like chilling in the Caribbean. And that that was my vision of this trip. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of like realized, okay, that's not going to happen. And uh, or at least not for the first year, maybe. And then it's sort of like, okay, will our relationship as friends like survive a year? Mm. Uh, no, probably not, because it feels like you're nagging each other, and then it feels like the next level is like, okay, now we're really going to start to be mean at each other, and then the the goal wasn't just to sail around the world; like the goal was to have fun. Mm. <laughs> or, yeah, of course. And then. You realize like the uh, you're not gonna have fun like yeah. you're just hating every second and it's hard to get like on the boat like we need to collaborate with each other when we're sailing because mm. 
uh, he had, he hasn't sailed that much and I hadn't sailed anything. So we needed to, uh, to communicate all the time. Like we, and there's no way to escape from each other except when we are, uh, ashore. But then we need to work on things on the boat to, uh, so that function and plan the next trip the next day. So you never get that break. Uh, so it's sort of like a analysis and with just a conclusion, like, okay, we can't just push through and burn everything just to prove that we can do it. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't feel worth it yeah. uh, at the moment. And even now in retrospective, I, I feel like it was the correct choice yeah. to make. Yeah, the, the the fear of public humiliation is very strong in humans, but it's actually not. It's actually probably not a real thing. It is not a real. Thing. It's not not much difference from jujitsu competition. Are you like you're afraid of competing because you, people might watch you lose, but actually nobody's watching. So. <laughs> exactly, no one is really caring care about you. So, yeah. um, all right. Anyway, let's move on. So you you flew home, got a job, then sailed alone to uh, Marseille, right down to France. Uh, no, first he actually, he, he sailed back uh, to Stockholm with mm-hmm. his brother and uh, had a boat there. And then he worked on it the next summer. And then he sailed to Marseille while I was working. Mm. So time go, time passes. And how long yep. went there? Like, what is it? A year and a half or half a year? I, I lost track of time there. But you started talking again. And you kind of, you, you, did you go in therapy or, therapy or something? You, just, <laughs> you, you decided to give it a, a second try somehow. What, how do, why did you change your mind on that? Uh, first, I, I, we, I wasn't really thinking that uh, we were going to do it together initially. So I was actually saying to Dan, like, if you don't want to have a sail further, like, uh, I can buy the boat and... Uh, then I was planning on uh, going alone or with another friend or something like that. Mm. Uh, and then we met up and then we talked and um, uh, we just decided to, like, we we should at least finish this project together and cross the Atlantic. And then we came to the conclusion that we are you just going to do it even if we hate each other? And that was just, <laughs> yeah, that was the game. Like we, we didn't have to enjoy yourself or anything. Like we should just do it. So we have done it. The fear, uh, the fear, of, the fear of public communication is back. With exactly. Yeah. Yes. So because, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it just felt so ridiculous while telling this story and never actually left Sweden. So we were just like, okay, let's do it. Let's cross the Atlantic. And, then we why like did, had why, few... why did you why did you think it would work the second time? I mean, one thing is to to sail sixty kilometers down the coast of Sweden, but the other thing is to cross the fucking Atlantic, Victor. Uh, yeah, but I mean, then we had uh, <laughs> grown more mature, and <laughs> no, uh, not really. But um, uh, we, I think, we had some perspective on why it didn't work, and we didn't. Uh, we also said like, okay, we're not gonna change the boat anything. We're just gonna like do the um, the most uh, basic fixes to it and just go and not build like an extra fence or extra sails or like change anything on the boat. We were just gonna go from A to B, from B to C until we cross the Atlantic. 
And we had a rule like when we were sailing, then we don't talk about the boat trip when we get ashore before we had like a pizza and a beer. Mm. So like as soon as we got to Cotton Harbor, we just found like a pizzeria or something similar to that and then had a few beers and then we could talk the day after. And that worked superb. Mm. That's a very, that's a very, very, very manly way of, of, of handling it. I'm not sure it would have worked if you were traveling with like a girlfriend or something. I, I mean, a lot of couples are doing this, but I, I can't see that work. Like we, since we grew up together, we can be really rude to each other, but mm. still function. Mm. Uh, so I you solved it with beer. Exactly. So you sailed around a little bit and then, uh, then you went for the, for the actual crossing of the Atlantic in a tiny boat that's like more than 50 years old, right? Yeah, but like I you think you built the, yourself the whole... from, from Googling how to build, how to fix a boat or something. Yeah, pretty much. We, we got some help from a, a guy here in Sweden that's uh, been sailing small boats mm. around the world. He's a, he's a writer. He's around 76, eight years old. So we just called him and tried to describe our product. And he lives quite uh, maybe three hours from Stockholm. But he was like, uh, I don't understand what you mean, guys. Like, I have to come up there. So mm. he came up to us and give us some ideas and uh, helped us a bit and also with equipment to the boat, what we were needing and everything. So it was really, really helpful. A lot of mm. people were helpful during the, during the building process. So how, how does, okay. And you, I remember you trained a little bit in the Canaries and you actually got some training in so far. So how, how did yeah. the actual, like how, how was crossing the Atlantic in a small boat with a person you potentially hate? I mean, it was it, it was it, I, yeah, now I live in the Caribbean now. I never, I never thought about this before, but I'm watching the weather forecast of the Atlantic all the time for hurricanes and storms. Mm-hmm. And like, how was it? I mean, I would be scared shitless if that was me. Uh, I mean, the, the most scary part was actually in the Mediterranean, just when we're leaving Barcelona to go to Mallorca mm-hmm. because but that was also like so stupid of us, but because we met up in Barcelona, and then we said like, okay, let's uh, sail to Mallorca. It's like a three-day sail, and we were sitting having a beer, just planning the sail trip and watching the weather. And the weather charts were all red, uh, which means like twenty, twenty-five meters per second. It's quite hard winds, and we were talking to the girl in the bar and she was like, are you going sailing now? Like in December? We're like, yeah. She's like, oh, now it's the blah, 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 blah winds. And we we're like, oh, okay. It's never good when winds tell a name. <laughs> so, but those days were, were terrible. <laughs> I was puking and, uh, we were doing four hour shifts and uh, it was just, uh, one of the, the tillers to the rudder broke. And, uh, it was just, our first three days were just completely awful. Mm. Uh, and then, so we had a few, like with a lot of rough winds uh, before we came to the Canary Islands, even outside of Morocco, it was quite bad as well. So we had uh, had some time to get used to it. Were, were there any like huge waves at any point? Oh yeah, yeah. in the Mediterranean, it's, it's, a, it's a bit more shallow than the Atlantic. Mm. So the waves get a lot steeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had uh, waves breaking in over the boat, like the first three days there. And uh, so everything was soaked. 
like the whole everything was wet and we just went and slept with all the clothes on and everything and just it was just disgusting <laughs> yeah but uh <laughs> yeah and how was how, so how was sailing across the atlantic how long did it take uh one month and four days did you bring any books or something? <laughs> yeah, I, I read your book. Great book. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't fishing for that answer. But... <laughs> and uh, I actually managed to read like a, a thousand page of uh, Swedish history that mm. I've mm. been putting forward. And then, um, yeah, you you read quite a lot. Mm. Uh, so the first, we were still late in the season. So we were sort of like chased by bad weather and strong winds. So the first maybe two weeks since we left Canary Islands were quite rough. Uh, we needed to tie ourselves to the beds because when we got hit by waves during the night, I flew over to the side of the boat and just landed on him So a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, But otherwise, it was quite good. We do a lot of fishing, and uh, so we had fish for at least every other day. And uh, we drank a lot of beers. Uh, <laughs> Were you ever afraid that the boat was going to sink or something? Or I don't know. Uh, uh, like in the Mediterranean, I was quite uh, thinking about it when the waves were breaking in over it. Mm. Uh, but during the Atlantic, you sort of like, I got a bit numb to it. Like after being there for like every day, it just felt like you were just laughing at it, uh, really. I just thinking it was sort of like a joke <laughs> because I don't know, like, uh, uh, yeah, I think the most dangerous part was down. He got almost hit by a fish in the head, like a 1.5 meters skinny, uh, thin fish that just came from the back and like missed his head by, I don't know, <laughs> an inch. <laughs> in, like in high, fish. Yeah. High velocity. So, right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we, we got a, like, um, a self steering, uh, on the boat to work. So like during the Atlantic, we just slept during the nights and for like 10 hours or something. So I slept really, really good on the boat. So it was super, super nice. Did you have, so did you have a lot of days where it was like really clear and the water was calm or? Uh, like it was quite good wind all the way until we were like three days before the Barbados, then it got like really bad wind. And that was so frustrating when you were almost there. Mm. But the last two weeks was super nice. Like the weather was really nice. It was getting a lot warmer, of course. And uh, so we were just sitting, listening to music, reading books, drinking beers. So it was really, really swimming. It was just great. Mm. Uh, but, uh, I would say that like the two first weeks, just the detoxification of uh, impressions from like sell your phone, Facebook, mm. Instagram, everything. I think that was uh, was kind of scary. Like it, it felt like you're uh, now. I haven't been an alcoholic, but I would say that if you were getting over alcohol or something like mm. that, stuff like that, when when the body's detoxing, so. Uh, you, were, I was, I at least were really stressed after like ten days and so super bored, mm. and just uh, I was writing a journal and I was sort of like, ah, don't go sailing again, Victor. You fucking hate this. Like, 
don't do it. But after uh, after two weeks, you get into this calm, sort of like a meditative state, uh, just watching the ocean, just sitting there reading, and it's super nice. I think obviously, kind of the world we live in is is uh, is full of instant gratification, like a nonstop impressions, mm-hmm. and you kind of just flick through. Mm-hmm stuff all the time even before you, you you try to go to bed it's like okay let me just check facebook and then reddit and then email and then messenger and then just yeah. uh, this form and then uh when you've done that oh let me just check facebook again because it's been a while since i've been there and you just kind of like like kind of flood your brain with uh flickers of information all the time and uh yeah. i think that it sounds healthy what you did you also from the beginning said that you wanted it to be kind of a like an offline project that, that, yes. That's when I. That's when I. I convinced you to just at least run an Instagram. Yeah. We yeah. can just post a picture now and then, and like one line uh-huh. of text, so we can somehow promote this trip and see if if someone on the way wants to jump on and train with you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. The, I'm not the best on social media. <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably not yeah. a bad thing. You know? Yeah. I, I try to avoid it as much as possible, at least. But yeah. Uh, okay. So you made it across the Atlantic alive. Yep. And uh, and then um, then you split split up again, right? At some point. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, that was sort of planned. Um, so then he needed to go back to his girlfriend, um, or she needed him to go back. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so I spent like uh, I don't know a week or something on Barbados. Um, I didn't do any training or anything like that just uh went out partying there and i met uh, another group of uh swedish sailors and uh, we decided to uh, meet up in grenada again and then i went to i i sailed alone to to grenada but i just felt like it was just too much hassle to to be sailing alone mm. Like you need to go up every now and then to check for boats, and uh, uh, yeah, it was just—I don't know—I I didn't enjoy it. A lot, some people like to sail alone; it was just too boring for me. I felt like that at least, and it would take too much energy to uh, to do anything else. Um, so when I got to Grenada, I stayed there for maybe a month, and. Uh, there they had a, a, a college or, um, um, for veterinarians that had a few guys from the state that uh, were rolling. So I was training there, and they had a boxing club there, a local boxing club that I could go to as well. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of nice just staying there a month, just training and swimming and not focusing anything on the on the boat. Mm. And then you you started sailing with the Swedish guys, huh? the other Swedes. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I uh, one of the girls from the other boat, she put a ad for our boat on a uh, uh, just on Facebook, and this Belgian guy from uh, uh, that was living in Mexico or something, he. Uh, yeah, he hit me up with a message and say that said that he he wanted to buy the boat, so uh, he came down there and, and bought the boat. So it's kind of sad in a way to to get rid of the boat, but very nice in another way. So then I joined them to 
Curaçao, Bonaire, Aruba. Uh, managed to train at all those places had jiu-jitsu actually. And then to Colombia. Right. How long, how long did you stay in Colombia for? That's when you stopped sailing, right? Yeah, so I stayed with them on, on their boat for maybe approximately two two weeks or something. And then uh, I took a flight to Cali. And my current boss from my job now and uh, another friend and colleague went down there and uh, we drove some enduro motorcycles for... California, you mean? No, Cali, Cali, Colombia. Cali, Colombia, right. I can't be the first one to make that mistake. <laughs> so uh, we were there for approximately a week. So I think I was roughly a month in Colombia mm. before leaving to New York. And then you traveled where? Around the US? I, I didn't travel anything. Like my plan was first to to go to New York and rent a car or a motorcycle and then drive to, to the West Coast mm-hmm. and uh, do some mat surfing on the way. But... I was just so tired after Colombia and the Caribbean. It just felt like just been partying and drinking. And I just felt like, oh, I, I just want to log out and train. So, and in New York, I trained at uh, Master Skya Jiu-Jitsu and Red Planet Muay Thai and just didn't do anything else for that month. And I didn't go to see the Statue of Liberty. And I went into Manhattan one time, but it was just... Yeah, I <laughs> just logging out. Mm. And uh, and did you go to Hawaii from from there, or what was the? Yeah, yeah, so straight to Honolulu, Hawaii, and mm. stayed close to Waikiki, and I sort of like just kept going on that path. Found the uh, island jiu-jitsu there. Mm. Uh, it was a super nice place and super nice guys. So just did. Uh, continued my detox of no drinking and just training there. Mm. So I, I broke my finger and maybe something in the hand as well. So I could only do jiu-jitsu. So it's just, uh, I, I really enjoyed Hawaii, mm. uh, especially the, the, the culture and the, the people there were super nice. And then you went to Thailand? Yeah, so finished up with uh, Phuket top team in Thailand. Uh, training there um, for roughly a month, but I injured my neck, so I couldn't trace much. Just did like privates in Muay Thai for a while, and then uh, another friend from Sweden came down uh, for my last month. So we went out to Kosamui, and uh, uh, I started training there again. But during the sparring, I got hit in the head and my neck. Got messed up again, so. Yeah. <laughs> and then to Sweden, so you actually made it around the world. Ah, uh, almost uh, ish. Oh, I mean, if you went, you you went left, and you didn't stop until you hit Sweden again. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, that's true. That's well, true. you didn't that's sail true. all the way around, but I mean, that's, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it still counts. Yeah, so, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, how's your relationship uh, today after the the, the the two attempts of? Uh, of sailing and then one one success. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's 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 good. So we we keep going strong. <laughs> we have, but we have 
no more sail, sailing products planned. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be the next question, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, we will keep it too. So, uh, coffee, you, coffee, coffee and beers. <laughs> do you feel like? Um, do you feel like uh, the, the whole project was uh, of your whole dream project of sailing around the world? Do you feel like it was a failure or a success when you look back at it? Uh, both, I would say. Uh, I got some mixed feelings about it. Like it would have been super nice to do the full lap, and it's kind of frustrating when you tried it on. Like now I know how to do it um, perfectly ish, but. I feel like if I would have had the knowledge I have today, uh, I would easily know what type of boat do I want, what type of equipment do I want, how, how should I, how should I plan it with guests and everything. Like uh, it feels crystal clear to me how this uh, trick should have been done. Uh, so that's a bit frustrating. But in the other hand, like I've learned so much about like fixing on the boat and it's just it's been like a, a really fun experience but in another way that i had planned uh initially so if someone else wants to, to take up this project of sailing around the world they can just yeah. call, call you exactly hit me up with an email and <laughs> i can do some free, free consulting right. <laughs> and of course uh the question that everybody's probably gonna ask is how how did you fund this like how, how did that work financially uh, like now it was good. Like I had, uh, two, two years of, um, uh, of working, uh, between, uh, the both trips, so to say. So I could save up, uh, quite a lot of money. And, um, I, I had, uh, one apartment from the start that I sold and the real estate market here in Stockholm has been going up quite a lot during the, the last years. So uh, when I switched apartments, I, I got some money in between. And I mean, how, how much does it cost to live on a boat like, like you did? Or, I mean, not counting your, your adventure through US, Hawaii, Thailand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like it, it's hard to say because I spent quite a lot of money to, uh, or we did, to, to buy things to the, for the boat. Mm. Um, like if you have... Uh, uh, like my advice would be to buy like a sail ready boat. Uh, that's just, that's been like us that people like doing it. Like, like we have done it, but they, now they're done with it or they gave up early. So, uh, you can find one of those boats for, uh, roughly 10,000 euros and they won't drop that much in value if you would actually complete the lap or sail it in Australia, for example. Mm. Uh, so like living on the boat can be super, super cheap. Uh, our problem was that our boat was so small and we didn't have good um, uh, options for cooking. So, and everything was wet and just like when we got to an harbor, we really wanted to pay for a docking place with electricity mm. Uh, so we can dry the boat out and we maybe needed to fix things on the boat. So we needed electricity for our tools. And since the boat is so small and kind of depressing, we just felt like, oh, we should go. We went out to eat every day. Right. Uh, so if we would have had like a little bit bigger boat with 
uh, nicer place to cook, etc. We could have uh, reduced it quite a lot. Like, like it's possible to live super cheap, but then I would say like things are gonna break as well, and everything to say about is expensive. So it's like, do you know where you, you need a buffer? Do you know where your boat is now? Do you kind of follow it or? Uh, no, I uh, I think it's still in Grenada. Like stalking an old girlfriend yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or maybe it's blown away now in the uh, during the Orcanian season or something. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, it's um, uh, I, I I don't think the person who bought it <laughs> know really how to use it. Uh, it's. It uh, sounds like your story. It sounds like my story, but I think he's in an even worse position <laughs> than I was in. <laughs> so, and the, the boat now, because before he he bought the boat, I had sold the engine, so he has no engine, mm. and he doesn't really know how to sail and to start sailing without an engine in a small harbor. Uh, because he said like financially that he couldn't buy an engine, so it's just I can't see it working. But yeah. So, um, just to kind of wrap this up, would you would you recommend what you did like to for others to do something like that? Like maybe that is specific, but also kind of you know in general. Uh, oh yeah, project. Like, oh, like a hundred percent. Like I think the most destructive thing for humans is just do one thing in life and just keep doing it. And I mean, it's then it's impossible to know what you like and what you don't like and. I mean, it's uh, it's a bit of a cliche, but you never really regret the things that you try and the things that you do. But so I more regret what you didn't do. And I feel strongly the same. And so many people are complaining about their position and like, oh, I wish I can do that or I wish I can do that. And everyone can basically do it. Mm. Uh, well, it's not illegal yeah. usually. <laughs> no. <laughs> Often not. <laughs> Often not illegal. <laughs> That's cool. So, uh, yes. so what's next for you? What now? Oh, you just you just arrived home, like very like not long ago, right? <laughs> yeah. No. No. I'm just gonna uh, <laughs> go to the office to my job tomorrow and have coffee with the <laughs> with the colleagues. And uh, is tomorrow your yeah. first day back? No. Uh, no, I'm going to start 3rd of December, so I still have some time, but just going to go there and tell them I survived and uh, I will be back. You're going to sit there and look yeah. out the window from that little desk there and just start crying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> working two or three days and then start looking for ads for new boats. <laughs> uh, well, uh, send me an email when you, when you when you start, then I'll send you some stickers for whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever vehicle you decide on. Hundred uh, percent. Well, okay, that was interesting to catch up on on this uh, following your project, kind of on the sideline for for four years. You know, I I, I was just reminded about it recently because I was you now I live in on this island and it used to be Swedish. So yeah, still kind of a bit of, of Swedish stuff here. And now and then there are like little boats with Swedish flags on them in the Harbor. And I just walked past one like a few months ago. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. I wonder, I wonder what on earth happened to that crazy project that you kind of gave up and took up again. And then you ended up just going mad traveling. Um, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So, uh, that's, that's actually how I just recently got to think about it again, but it was nice to, um, uh, 
to catch up on it. And I guess people can kind of, I mean, I know you're not super, super, um, active on the Instagram thing, but, uh, there, there's a little nah. bit to, to follow there. It's, uh, the Instagram username is BGJ Globetrotters boat. And there, there are a few yeah. pictures and stuff from the trip, but obviously you're offline most of the time. Yeah. We have a lot of, uh, video from the trip. Mm. Um, so, uh, I might throw it up on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I remember one of your early ideas was to make like a video kind of. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. But... Uh, so we bought the GoPro and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been four years, Victor, so I'm not going to hold my breath for it. It's fine. It's okay. I think it was a, it was, it was a very cool project to follow. And, and I mean, it was it, for, for me to kind of join in a little bit on the sideline with just, just very little, um, was very nice. And it, it was very inspiring for, for the whole BJJ Club Trotters project at a time where it was really just kind of t- <laughs> taking shape. Uh, so, uh, I hope if there's anyone else out there with like big dreams and crazy projects that um, that maybe I can be involved somehow and now when I can't join myself, um, <laughs> at least I can, I would be happy to help whatever I can with the Globetrotters community. Yeah, it's cool. So, um, well, good luck with your getting back to the office. <laughs> yeah. Send me like, uh, you, you have to post, I know you don't do social media much, but you, you have to at least send me a picture of, of you being really, really like a really sad selfie from the office. And then I'll post it. In, uh, <laughs> I'll post it in the members of the BCJ club Trotters Facebook group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we will see. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, <laughs> you just, no maybe you just fucking love it to be back and you're never going to touch a boat again. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's how I plan to do it at least. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, thanks for, uh, for calling in to my basement and, um, We'll stay in touch. I'll talk to you in a few weeks when you when you hate your job and uh, you're on your way for something else. Yeah, thank you, Christian. Great work. All right, have a nice day, man. <laughs> you as well. Cheers. Thanks. Take care, man. Bye. So that was it. Um, what else is going on at the BGJ Globe Trotters? Um, I think we. Uh, I randomly looked at the at the count of uh, affiliated academies. Um, and it was at 592 or something. Um, so I think at this point, of course, completely depending on how you, you define an affiliation, which I think is, uh, is, it can be completely individual. Um, but I guess you can somehow say we might be the biggest affiliation in the world, which I think is kind of funny because that was never uh, like BGJ Club Trust was, was never really intended to be an affiliation is I, I i still see the affiliation part in quotes as a as kind of a small corner of what we do um and i guess i mean the thing with bgj globetrotters as an affiliation you, you can kind of you you kind of decide what you want to use it for some people sit as like a full-on traditional affiliation where they get like all their belt promotions from i mean they uh networking access to black belts instructors and uh and signatures for the IBJJF competitions and all that stuff like pretty much everything that that you want from uh that you want from regular or classic affiliation uh invite instructors for for seminars and uh get help with like belt promotions and and all that stuff and and um and that's totally fine if i mean it's it's completely up to people what they want to use use it for and and other people just uh, in the other extreme end of it like 
a lot of academies don't really use it for anything other than just kind of being on the list. So, so they they're listed if if some travelers are looking for a, a traveler friendly place to train. Um, but I think in between those two extremes are pretty much every variation of how you can imagine an affiliation to be. And it's pretty much how I want it to be. I don't I don't want it to be any set kind of rules. It's it's to affiliate with BJJ Club Tours is, is a very pretty much a very simple process. There are no no requirements, never going to be any payments for it. The only the only requirement pretty much is that um, you always uh, allow travelers to train for f- one week for free minimum and uh, and you don't deny any members to uh, train anywhere else. So it's pretty much it's it's very simple and you can you can use it for what you want. I'm not saying traditional affiliations are necessarily a bad thing or or a good thing. Um I guess it completely depends on the individual situation, but I think there's room for for an alternative like 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 what we do where you can pretty much uh be unaffiliated and affiliated at the same time and 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 BJJ Globetrotter is just a, a big flat hierarchy of uh, of resources um, that you can use for whatever you want. Some people use it to travel, some people use it for uh, like pretty much to learn jujitsu, to get like uh, technical input from from instructors, uh, to network. Uh, some people use it just for competing um, because IBJJF has set up a a system that that pretty much demand the existence of affiliations and uh, and hierarchy uh, before people can even compete in their in their events. But yeah, anyway, regardless of how you look at it, uh, 592 academies. I think that's pretty good. Uh, I think we should aim for a 1,000 at some point for for no particular reason other than just a a nice round number. The whole talk about affiliations and hierarchy and belts and and all that stuff is um, that's that's a longer talk. I might may or may not say for another episode but regardless i think uh an interesting thought experiment you could do is uh is uh would affiliations exist if there were no belts in jiu-jitsu i mean obviously you can just look at other kind of sports like uh thai boxing or mma wrestling which is kind of the same just a little bit different you know like mma is kind of the same sport as jiu-jitsu uh just what strikes pretty much, um, but there are no belts and affiliations do not exist. So that's an interesting thought to uh, to play with a little bit. But anyway, uh, let's leave it at that. And um, we also uh, just announced pretty much uh, all the camps for next year, for 2019. Um, we're going to do uh, 11 camps next year. Is That's what we're aiming for. And, uh, and they're all announced at this point and the registration is open. Uh, so far, I think we've booked, um, people have booked uh, more than 680 tickets as of today. Um, so it's going to be a busy, busy year as always. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. There are a few new exciting uh, locations that we're going to. We we also have a little project of um, making a kind of a, <laughs> this is just a completely random idea that happened. But we wanted to do like a poster with a, an annual like Globetrotters family portrait. And um, this was when we sat we sat down and counted the affiliated academy and realized, oh shit, there's a lot of people here. Uh, we should do like a family portrait for Christmas, like a really ugly ugly one with sweaters. Uh, but it's probably a bit too ambitious to ask like uh, fifty thousand people to wear sweaters for a picture. Um, so we've just been been uh, asking everyone to send us uh, group pictures from their academies, and uh, we'll put it all together for like one big 
big poster for New Year. Um, so far, I think we have like several hundred group pictures, so it's going to be uh, an interesting one. We'll put it online for, for free download, of course. So that's it for the 10th episode of the BGJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio podcast. Um, pretty happy we, we managed to do 10 episodes. Uh, it took a little while to get the 10th uh, recorded, but um, I'm back at it and uh, things are a little bit easy now with uh, when I don't have like five camps coming up in the next few months. I'm very excited to be back at the podcast project and um, thank you for listening. If you want to listen to some of the old episode or episodes or subscribe to future ones, just go to bjjglobecharters.com slash podcast um, and uh, of course anything else you need to know about BJJ Globetrotters just check out bjjglobecharters.com thank you and have a wonderful day <laughs>